Okay, can we cuss on your podcast? It's guys sitting around chewing the fat. He made me ride here in the bed. You guys didn't see that. Stressful. Nah. <laughs> oh, you're talking fishing, so you know, uh, yeah. You throw a topic out there that you know that you're, you know, my partner, my my uh, co-host. We we knew a topic that we'd always argue about. So if we kind of had a dry show, we, yeah. <laughs> get get argue. It's oh, always man. easy to yeah. argue. Well, the, the driest piece of radio I ever did was about politics and what it is. Federal excise tax is put on everything you buy that is outdoor related guns ammo fishing fishing lures rods reels everything so there's a federal tax that's collected on those it's redistributed to the states by the, the number of fishing licenses and hunting licenses as hell oh, yeah. so when the state of kansas you return you turn 62 and they said can't you get a free license you show us your 62 and you don't have to have a license in kansas well we started losing out on the federal excise tax because <laughs> mm-hmm. we didn't have the, the fishing license to show that somebody yeah. was fishing. So they started a deal where it was 20 bucks, and you were on the books till you're 82 so that we could get, uh, the state yeah. of Kansas could get their fair share of you know, the excise tax. Yeah. So that was my radio show. That was what it was about. It was 10 minute talk about why the excise tax is doing, why it's fair that we're charging seniors 20 bucks to stay mm-hmm. on the, you know, because we had some people, oh, $20. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. The, the judges must have thought, they must have all been a bunch of seniors, to be honest with you, because I won not only best of radio category, but best of show for that, for that segment. That's crazy. Oh, it was, and it's the driest piece of radio yeah. I ever did. Hey, if people care about it. I uh, guess it may, you know, whoever the judges were must have made sense to them. Yeah. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, we got Jim Zaleski in the house. Glad um, to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. You are the Parsons Eco Developer, right? Is that the right title? Yeah, I got about five of them. But uh, what are know, they all? Well, you know, in any small town around the country, you're finding it more and more. You wear a ton of hats. Yeah. Yeah. So largest hat I wear is Director of Economic Development. Yeah. I also am the Director of Tourism. Now we've hired uh, Callie Carpenter. Really got a bad luck for her. I mean, she gets hired, and we're getting ready to move on to train her for tourism. COVID hits, mm-hmm. you know? Of so course. what do you, how do you train somebody to market tourism when, when COVID's there? So we're just yeah. now getting back into uh, marketing. We've got a lot to market here. And I'll be honest, Parsons has more visitors than anybody would think. We, there are four major hotels and I'll just say Best Western, you got the Holiday Inn, you got mm-hmm. the, the Sleep Inn that's been revamped out there. Um, and then you've got the former Super 8 and then of course uh, the, the motel across the street. So we're running 60 some percent occupancy in those rooms that's just more take, than i would have thought eliminate, that is shocking isn't, yeah. it, isn't it and that's so take the number of rooms times 60 percent. we're pulling 30 some thousand people in this city that's awesome that's three uh, times the population exactly and our challenge is now not population versus travelers versus people in the hotels it's workers yeah, that's one of my questions. Yeah. We're going to get into it. Okay. So so I do economic development. I do tourism. I'm also the uh, lobbyist for the city. I yep. spend time, obviously, I just got back from D.C. last mm-hmm. week uh, as part of a Kansas delegation uh, at the uh, up, up at the Capitol Hill. It's called Destination Capitol Hill. I was one of six uh, people from Kansas that was asked to go. So that was, that was a big honor. Mm-hmm. 
and then uh, so lobbying, economic development, tourism, and then marketing, public information. You know, if, if there's a press release to be written or somebody needs to go, you know, you may recognize, a lot of people may recognize my voice just from hearing it on TV. I'm the spokesperson for the city. I've, my degrees in public relations, I've been trained in public speaking and radio and things like that. So yeah. I'm trying not to say um too much. I'm actually catching myself saying um, and I never right. say um. That's against the rules. Yeah. No. And you got, and you're the talk of my owner, right? Uh, you know, I can't take credit for that. That all belongs to my wife. Okay. That, she's, she's the one who runs she, that show. Yep. She has owned that for 25 plus years. Did you know years. that, Cameron? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that's to. That's my favorite place. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's a product placement always. You know, if this were a yeah. video podcast, you'd for see sure. the cup. We'd point, we'd point the camera at the cup. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in a meeting with the governor and the TV was on us. Oh, yeah. And I looked at the governor and said, we're talking about retail, right? She goes, yeah. I said, well, you know, product placements and everything. And I moved my yeah. cup. There I moved go. my cup over to the middle of the <laughs> shot. It's funny. My nieces, I have an eight-year-old niece and a, she's almost four-year-old niece. And it would have been two Christmases ago. I'm like, what do you guys want for Christmas, you know? And they're like, Taco Mayo gift cards. I'm like, <laughs> we love it. perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now they asked, for, they asked for it last year, too. I'm like. Yep. There we go. That's easy. There you go. Well, we're, we're very, I'm humbled to, to you like it that much. And I yeah. know she'll be happy to hear that. She runs, she works really, really hard. Everyone Her and Eric it. Strait um, really work hard to keep that restaurant. Yeah, he does you know. a great job. Yeah, we love Mikey up front and all oh, yeah. our employees. You know, oh, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's really in small town America. You know, I used to use, as an example, this is what, you know, Kathy Mikado at uh, Ernesto's. The mm-hmm. owner sat you. Dave at Kitchen Pass, the mm-hmm. owner brings your food out to you. Yeah, chances are it, it's Michelle handing the food out the window on a on a busy Friday. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you look at that, what it takes to be good in a small town, mm-hmm. it's not about the marketing dollars; it's about the service. Yeah, yeah. you're not just sitting back collecting checks. Yeah, no, you're out a, there it's, working. It's about the service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Back to the eco development. Mm-hmm. Does housing fall under that? Yes, it does. In fact, here I'm going to give you a micro, uh, actually a macro, excuse me, a macro view of economic development. So we, we were kind of bantering before we came on about what COVID did. Pre-COVID, my focus from economic development was 100% retail. And so mm-hmm. if you think back, um, it's kind of funny we were talking about Mayo, but one of the first things that came in after I became economic development director was Taco Bell. Now, because I didn't want to have any conflict of interest, we let somebody else in the, in the office handle that. Yeah. You know, that's just the, the smart and intelligent thing to do. Yeah. But uh, so um, somebody else handled them coming in. So they, they got, you know, they built great. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Then we got, so after Taco Bell came in, Domino's, Dollar Tree, the Scooter's Coffee Shop. Yeah. Then we opened up an 80-room Holiday Inn Express and 8,000 square foot of, of meeting space or 5,500 square foot of meeting space and an 8,000 square foot footprint. Yeah, We were rolling. And the real reason that retail was king, at least for us, was because retail provides sales tax. Sales tax is probably the fairest tax across the board. If you're out there to spend the money, that's factored into what you're able to spend. So it's if you're going to buy a car, you buy a car that fits your budget. If you buy a house, you buy a house that fits your budget. If you buy a shirt, you buy a shirt that fits your budget. Sales tax is equally distributed and could be a huge help in lowering property taxes in this county. If we could think of Joplin and yeah. Range Line, yeah. how, much property ta- how much property tax is knocked off the books because Joplin makes sales tax off of Range Line? Yeah. Okay, so 
we have an opportunity. Same. Here's the thing. You know, I've worked in cities from Chicago. I lived in Midtown Manhattan, New York. I've been in Atlantic City, Miami, Florida. It, the theory and the formulas are all the same. There might be a, do, a decimal point difference. Yeah, a different scale. But the, but the formulas are still the same. So the same reason. So that's that was the reason we were focusing on retail pre-COVID was we wanted to, and our sales tax is going up. In fact, if you look, uh, pre Two years pre-COVID, we were climbing faster than the state of Kansas was as a whole. Hmm. When we hit COVID drop, we didn't drop as far as Kansas as a whole. And when we rebounded, we rebounded faster and we rebounded higher than Kansas as a whole. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tribute to local shopping local. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not on here to pound that drum i think locals need to shop where they get the best service we've kind of talked about that and when they get where they get the products that they need and want Mm -hmm. so it's up to guys like me to try and get those people into town to sell the products that are needed yeah that was pre-covid that was retail that was our focus now question where does housing fit into this um in the last 18 months economic development can be boiled down to three things child care and housing as building blocks for a workforce. That's yeah. it. That, that's yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere to send your kids and somewhere to sleep. Yeah. We, we you know, uh, we are still going after retail when we can because when things turn around, I mean, everything's cyclical. Mm-hmm. But when things turn around, if the economic development people out there who forgot about retail just because retail's not going anywhere because they can't find workers okay that's the that's the big catchphrase out there now mm-hmm. we have had um, it's not a, not a big secret but we have had fast food restaurants we've had one sit-down restaurant that wants to take that spot right next to the hotel the brand new mm-hmm. hotel beautiful spot yeah you got 11, great traffic Eleven thousand mm-hmm. vehicles Eleven thousand unique vehicles a day at that intersection we just talked about the hotel occupancy coming into the show 60% of an 80-room hotel. Do the math. They got to eat somewhere. Yeah. And why not And if they're all traveling, they're not going to drive into town. Yeah. Exactly. They're just going to grab something quick well, after work or the, whatever. The perfect thing would be a full-service restaurant with a bar. Mm-hmm. Think uh, Chili's 2. Think, yeah. Yeah, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the record, if anybody hears this and goes, oh, they're getting the chili. No, we're not. <laughs> that, that'd be great, but they're, they're not looking <laughs> that would at be us awesome. That is because most of our business travel is Monday through Thursday. Those people who travel with business travel with two things, a company car, a company credit card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do not want to drive the company car after using the company credit card to buy yourself a steak dinner and three cocktails. Yeah. You want to walk across the parking lot. Now you start to see how where you want to build on that. I mean, a built-in type, well, one fast food restaurant, this wasn't a, a full service or even a partial service restaurant, a fast food restaurant looked at it and said, you know, we love the location, love it, love it, love it. We can't come because we don't think we can hire 25 or 30 people to run the store. Yeah. Knowing the situation just at home that my wife is in, talking to other businesses, like Dave at Kitchen Pass, talking to the... I can't argue that. Who can? Yeah. I mean, we don't even have anywhere to go on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. So... And all have, those tax dollars are going to Pittsburgh and Joplin. Yeah, and- <laughs> well, even, even you know, what's, what's really becoming... Pittsburgh and Joplin are seeing the same drop as we are. Just because, a smaller scale? Or? Well, their scale was so big to begin with. Right. So if they lose 10%, that's a lot. Yeah. Now, what the, what's happening is you're getting, here's where 
Okay, this is, I don't want to go too off, far off topic here, but okay. <laughs> all right. The, uh, the movie was Schwarzenegger about him remembering a, a, a visit or something like that. Anyways, it was, you go, you go because of the experience, okay? We're an experience-based economy. How long does it take, how many trips out do you have to go to a restaurant and you get bad service where you just don't go back? In Parsons? Anywhere. Oh. Anywhere. One. <laughs> there you Okay. There you go. Perfect. I mean, you know, we, we, I know Michelle and I get one and we, we'll say, all right, we'll try it one more time. We get yeah. two. There's no way we're going back. So, But I mean, I thought you were asking Parsons not to interrupt, oh, but sure. just because I wanted to say, surprisingly, I know it's probably hard to get workers, but all the restaurants in Parsons actually have really great service. They do. Especially like El Pablito's and Kitchen Pass. Like they're on, they on it. I mean, they, we are extremely lucky and, yeah. and you'll, you're starting to recognize them, aren't you? Oh, yeah. We talked about Mikey over at Taco Mom. Oh, yeah. He's the best. The people at, at Kitchen Pass and yeah. El Pub and, and Kathy Mikado when, when mm-hmm. she was wearing Ernesto's. What we're afraid of on a macro scale in the, in the hospitality industry, and this is hotels, restaurants, movie theaters, everything, amusement parks, it's not going to take long for me to sit, you two to sit and go, well, where do we want to go for dinner tonight? Boy, I tell you what, we went out. We had that steak, and that it was a good steak, but boy, the service was terrible. It was, it seemed really high. Tell you what, fire up the grill. I'm running into town. I'm going to buy two steaks. I'm not going out. That starts. To, I mean, okay, we get. You bought two steaks. I'm glad you bought two steaks. But yeah, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? You, you, that the hospitality industry everywhere is worried about this drop, and it's being seen. The sharp edge of the knife on that is is the larger metros, mm-hmm. because they're at the same low unemployment we are but we're 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 at what would i call almost like a baseline they to get extra business they need extra employees they don't have yeah and i would think that they would get hit last so it's crazy that well it's kind of a flip uh remember when when you have things such as um the unemployment recessions they usually start at the coast like a tsunami coming in yeah so the coasts get hit first and hardest and they're underwater the longest because of the instability in the base economies on some of those large scales. Okay. Yeah. See how that kind of works in our advantage. Mm-hmm. The recession back in eight, nine, we got hit least and last and recovered earlier than the coasts. Uh, coasts are over dependent on international travel. They're, they're almost overly dependent on, well, the experience, there you go, the experience yeah. economy. Think of Florida yeah. and what COVID yeah. did to Florida. That's all you do is go there. I mean, if you're not retired, you're there to have vacation. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I know we got off track there, but yes, yeah. housing is huge yeah. and that's where we're focused. Right now, we have a wonderful woman um, who um, stepped to the plate right in the middle of COVID and opened um, a childcare facility, Candy Rushing and Grow at Eden. Yeah, we had her on here. Perfect, yep. great yep. lady to have on here. She yeah. she is the pinnacle of the spear. She is the point of the spear of childcare in Lebec County, and she's looking to expand. I don't know what she shared with yeah. you guys, but she's looking yeah. to expand. She's telling us about that. Good, good. We're we're trying to make that happen in a couple ways. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to say too much. I yeah. Mean, I don't. But I think she's really doing big stuff. I think she is. But, she um, is exactly what we're looking like. Honestly. I've had conversations uh, at some of the boards I sit on. Mm-hmm. Your name, J.R. Keene, Candy Rushing, 
you're the future leaders. Well, you don't have to throw me in there to be oh, nice. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we talked about this. Uh, on hey, the, she's at, got a downtown business. At the Young Professionals. Well, Main, you, Main Street Skin. Oh, right, right, right. I mean, right I, across I, from the I cigar bar. I knew that. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. I, I remember doing some some of the programs mm-hmm. that uh, help a little bit. When yeah, we, yeah. We've got some programs that are helping. And, and yeah. I just stopped by one, another uh, person who's trying to get a business going. And we're going to look at see what we can do. It's uh, Dress for Less. And so we're, we're going to see how we can give. What we hope to do is give a little bit of help up front. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a lot. Tax breaks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, you know, if they build brand new, that's where the tax breaks really take take in effect. When they're renting something, it's where we could do that. Half oh, yeah. Range. Like you, yeah. Yeah. So the, those are the, the things that work. And, yeah. yeah. Signage assistance. That's, that helps. Uh, that helps, I hope, because what we hope to do, you know, we know how hard it is in the beginning. You're not making money yet. And all it is is outward going money. So oh, yeah. when, when you create that lease, we want to help out by getting, uh, you know, that first half, half of the first three months rent mm-hmm. so that it can, what that does is we hope you take that and put it in the inventory. That means you've got something to sell, higher, right. in, yeah. higher end product to sell, and it drives customers. Yep. So that's kind of the plan that we do. And we, we've, we've helped out quite a few businesses. Like, yeah. I'd like to see, um, you know, Jessica Rush, I mean, and and we're not. I'm not name dropping here. You, you guys are the future of this city. Uh, you are. The, the, yeah. the, the, those four and, and about another half dozen. You know, Callie. I mentioned Callie, it works for us. And oh, Hunter O'Neill, he's getting in. Uh, yeah, Hunter, per, perfect yeah. example. He was on here last week. Don't listen to that one and judge him off of it. But <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think that you know, the the that young, take a chance, do your own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough. And, and the biggest challenge of new businesses, you know, Michelle tells me the stories, the first two years of running Taco Mile, seven o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, she was in that store every day. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's what it takes. Every day. Um, Especially and, in a restaurant yeah. I've heard. Well, your overhead, if you're in the store working, you're not paying somebody to be there. And, mm-hmm. and that's huge mm-hmm. when you're just starting out, mm-hmm. you know, that dedication uh, the, the people that I just, I just kind of rattled off there or just right or off the top, but you guys, you're the ones that are going to be around when the, the Peggy Whiter of the world that owned all the stores downstairs, downtown really kept the downtown going. I mean, yeah. she was, she was one of the saviors down there, mm-hmm. you know, when in the, in the traditional main street days, yeah. uh, you know, Ray Feast at the bank. I mean, eventually all, all of us at that age level, we're going to want to retire and it's going to be, it's going to fall on you guys. I'm glad to see you guys, you know, your age group stepping up. You know, I, I have a larger concern of age groups outside of here, but I think we've got a really strong youth. And, you know, I said, there's, I'm 55, so everybody's a kid. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, that you guys are doing and starting what I saw Michelle start 25, 26, 27 yeah. years ago. So it's good yeah. to see. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to help out in those ways. Yeah. Before we get off housing, I know you talked a little bit about the new housing and why it's important. Um, I wanted you to explain because you were talking at Rotary and it made a lot of sense to me because I've always been frustrated, you know, like everyone, when you don't know and you're driving around town and you're like, why the hell haven't they torn that house down? Get that house torn down. How come we got four, a whole block of knockdown of houses that need knocked down? Explain why it's so difficult. Yeah, and it's... Oh, well, we, you know what? Because I, I was one, that person. I yeah. was one of the ones who was hating on the city hard. And I'm like, what? That's and then me. the way you explained it, it really makes sense. I mean, well, and we, not only just money, but 
all yeah. the hoops. We so to, the money problem. I think we have at least uh, we're ahead of the game. I recently went to the city commission and give them full credit for allowing me to move. I moved forty thousand dollars. So you think about what we did in COVID, economic development wise. And to be honest, it wasn't much. We couldn't do much. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who? Who did anything? I mean, there's yeah, people. Did, at least I made it to my office. I you know a lot of people <laughs> didn't even go to work. Yeah. So we did what we could, mostly managing the ARPA money and the Spark money that came in as COVID relief making sure it got to the childcare facilities yeah. and some of, some of the other, the food distribution facilities and the safety uh, distribution facilities. So that's basically what we did during COVID. To answer your question directly, money, we have pulled from some of the leftover money we didn't spend during COVID and have moved $40,000 a year over into demolition. Mm-hmm. I think it is our, okay, housing is a three-legged stool, demolition, infill, and new houses. It needs all three legs to stand. If we just built new houses and didn't tear down the ugly old ones, we, we wouldn't be helping ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. If we tore down, just tore down the old ones and didn't have a new housing stock, you wouldn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Right, right now, you're just, we're just flipping houses. Yeah. Yeah. What we need to do is we need new housing. We need to strategically place that new housing where it fits and infill, and we need to demolish 100-plus homes. Right. Yeah. That's our goal. That's, that's, I say goal. That's our challenge. So we just recently set contracts to tear down for five houses and quite honestly we were ri- not ridiculed but we were questioned well why those five they're not the worst in town they were the five we had clear title on right we can't tear down a house that the city doesn't have clear title on we're doing title searches on 15 some houses now 75 bucks a piece something like that whatever it is to find out who we need to go to to get clear title mm-hmm. to start tearing these homes down right that's our biggest challenge it is the red tape that doesn't allow us to say, obviously, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. We looked at one of the worst. This has been this one single house has been brought to my attention two or three times by two or three different people, yeah. saying, "Look, it's it's on a main area. There's there's something going on across the street." And and I don't want to I don't want to get in. On, you know, the purpose of us talking here is to point fingers. But the bottom line is this is this house is making a difference in impressions. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am a firm believer that you the houses, okay, if you have 100 houses and they're all pretty much the same, just bad, you start tearing down on your main thoroughfares first. Mm-hmm. First impressions are so important. Right. So we start there and we start, like, just say we start at Main and 16th and start going out two blocks, four blocks, eight yep. blocks, ten blocks, just because that's your center. The heart of the city. That's the heart of the yeah. city. It's the core. So that's our biggest challenge. Our biggest challenge by far is making sure it has clear title. This one house has been brought to our attention. Can't tell you how many times. We've had our code enforcement guy go out and look at it. We had our engineering guys go out and look at it. We red tagged it, and everybody we looked at it just assumed, oh, it's abandoned. Taxes are paid. The owner is still alive <laughs> and doesn't want to get rid of the house. <sighs> So you can't and do no anything. one's living there. Nobody's. Oh God, yeah. no. Nobody's yeah. living there. The water's been turned off. Yeah. Which allows, see, if the utilities are it's, turned off, we're allowed to red tag it, so that when it's red tagged, if PD or code enforcement goes by and they see somebody in it, they can go and say, "Hey, this is a red tagged home." Mm-hmm. That way, it helps keep squatters. Right. So, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Cause, and like you said, when you go tear down one that just because it looks ugly, all of a sudden it was a. Two hundred dollar house, and now it's a five hundred thousand dollar house to the guy that found out he owned it, and he didn't even know. You yeah, know? yeah. So we are going through uh, one tool we have to help with this is the land bank. The land bank can come in when 
when the taxes are overdue. Mm-hmm. Don't they have to be a certain a number of years overdue? No. Oh. If they're overdue, if the, if, the, if the taxes are overdue, any, and that person doesn't think they want to put the money into the house to either remodel it or the taxes, all they have to do is sign a piece of paper and it belongs to the land bank and mm. all the tax, all the back taxes are gone. Oh. A way for them to kind of get out of the taxes. Yes. We want win, to. Win-win. Exactly. Yeah. No, you hit it on the head. We want to be able to give that benefit, incentive, if you will. Like, give it to the land bank. Let us bid it out. Now, here, here's a good thing. Something was on Facebook just two, two days ago, I think. Maybe it was in Monday morning or over the weekend. One of the houses that we're going to, it's already been decided. The land bank has said 1621 Chess is going to an individual who, once they take title, once they take ownership, they've got six months to fix it up. Mm-hmm. Or six months to show significant progress. Improvement. Yeah. Sure, sure. We're not, and if they're showing progress and they're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the guttering to come in. And I've got it on order and I'm waiting for this. As long as you're moving yeah. forward, we're we're all, we're better off than we were six months mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. But since the land bank said yes, it's okay. Start the process to deed this over. Now we have to go through getting a clear title, the land bank owning it. We have to own it for thirty days. We're not allowed to give it away or sell it. Sell it. I think it's like seven hundred bucks. It's a minimum yeah. just to cover administration costs, really. Mm-hmm. So we're not allowed to do that for 30 days so that if somebody wants to f- come in and say, oh, 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 you're not giving that house away. I'm actually the owner. He can't sign it away, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It gives them time to come in. Right. So from the date we say it, there's 30 days to got to wait. Then we've got clear title, deed transfer. It's just like closing on a right, house. Right. Somebody posts on Facebook, Land Bank gave this somebody months ago. Why, why aren't the weeds in the front cleared out? Is it gro- like a tree was grown, big trees mm-hmm. were grown in the front porch. That guy, whoever it was that the land bank said they were going to give it to, he can't step on that land. It, if he were to step on the land and hurt himself, it was owned by the city. Yeah. Not him. He can't do it as a deed to the land. All these Facebook haters, they need to understand all oh, the red well, tape. It, it is, it, you know, and I get it. They're frustrated. Yeah. I, I do. I, I'm, as fr- I'm frustrated too. There's every once in a while I spout <laughs> off on Facebook too, but yeah. it, it is just frustrating the, uh, the weed ordinance. And, okay, so the, somebody says, hey, my neighbor hasn't mowed their yard in, you know, how long? And so, you know what? We have to send them a registered letter by law. That's what the, the person that they're complaining about? Yeah. We have to send them a registered letter that says, you have been reported as a violation of the weed ordinance. Our code enforcement officer has come by, and yes, you are over 12 inches in your grass. That's really no longer grass. It's a weed. It has to be done. That has to be registered letter. It costs and the red tape is, and that's state law. Yeah. That's I mean, wild. A, a, in my opinion, a postcard costs <laughs> four cents. It says, mow your damn lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would at least, the, the ones that aren't going to mow it, they're not going to accept the registered letter anyways. Yeah. The ones that are just, you know, so busy they haven't gotten around, they get the postcard. And uh, freaking out. Yeah. yeah, okay, maybe I should do that. You know, so the the bureaucracy of a lot that we have to go through really really slows the process I, it just um joan in our office is working really hard trying to get some of these houses clear title and as soon as clear title comes along we want to start turning them in the land bank we're gonna have hopefully thursday or monday i'm gonna have an announcement about some potential new houses cool you know, it takes, it's, it's taken a lot. We're going to incentivize some things. We're putting the program together right now. You know, we, we need to build in all levels. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. here's a question for you guys. I think I asked this at Rotary, so. 
I might have a, I might have an uh, easy answer. How much you have a house that's worth a hundred thousand dollars? What does it take? How much in money or like cost does it take to provide city services to a house with a hundred thousand dollars worth a hundred thousand? She's never lived in town. She's probably not going to. Well, no. Here's the, here's the, it's a <laughs> trick. It's a trick question. I have no clue. It costs exactly the same as it does to provide city services to a house worth three hundred thousand. So, yeah. a house worth a hundred thousand dollars pays the city about five hundred dollars a year in property tax. Mm-hmm. They pay about two thousand dollars a year in property tax. I'm rounding up. It's two thousand something. That's split four ways. Remember, school district, college, county, city. So if they pay $2,000, and it's roughly 25%, county's a little higher, 27%, city's about mm-hmm. 25 school district's a little lower, 24 and the college is a little lower, 20 Those numbers fluctuate with the mill levy, but that, that's in general. So if you pay $2,000 property tax bill every year, the city gets $500. That doesn't pay for a sanitation guy to pick up your garbage. Yeah. yeah. It, it certainly doesn't pay to overlay your street every three years. Yeah. So that's why you see fee-based sanitation, water, sewer. That's all fee-based to support the city services because the property taxes, if we just talked about what a $100,000 house pays, imagine what a fifty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 house pays. There's a lot yeah. of those in town. Mm-hmm. We have to build smart. We have to rebuild smart. A lot of times it's going to mean tearing down one of those dilapidated houses that you hate around town and not rebuilding creating a yard for the house next to it creating a community in a neighborhood not just trying to squeeze a round peg into a square hole yeah. yeah so that's that's and that's beautification that's part of the quality of life that that would that would be a perfect use mm-hmm. for probably half the houses that need torn down yeah they're all yeah. on each other's they're touching damn near anyway yeah you know? it, it, well and you know the reason being uh, we were built for like sixteen thousand back when the army ammunition plant was running full yeah. bore and the Katy River was running full bore. Mm-hmm. All right, we're down to 10. That means we have 6,000 extra living spaces. So if you take 2.4 yeah. people average per household, divide the 6,000 by, by two, and you've got 20, you know, 2,000 extra houses. Yeah. So we can afford to tear yeah. some down, turn them into yards, and create yeah. communities. They were built small and expensive because they were for the people working on the factory floors at the ammunition plant, at the Katy Railroad. Mm-hmm. And, at, and at, our, at that time, at our growing industry. We have a wonderful industrial base here. Yeah. I don't think yeah. a lot of people realize that. We have a very, very... What, I mean, what percent of the jobs do you think are in that? Um, but if we took every manufacturer in the city, I think when I was with the chamber, we came up with 2,500 to, to more than that with the major manufacturers. We have opportunity. I know right now from talking with industry in the city of Parsons, if we had five extra, 500 extra employees to go around, they could be employed if they wanted to work. Hmm. We, we've got... Now these a, are good jobs. Oh, yeah. yeah. If they wanted to work, though. <laughs> okay. Please, I beg of them. Anybody's working, if I fin anybody, but you got to show up on the third day and you got to pass a drug test. Yeah. Nobody can do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's our challenge. Big challenge. It is. Um, oh, I'm sure. Uh, I can't uh, imagine how many people just can't pass the drug test. Yeah. Let alone... Wake up and show up to the job. Yeah. yeah get just, Not in pajamas and slippers. Yeah. Before I was self-employed, it was always shocking to me how impressed people were that you show up. I mean, I, I'm i patting myself on the back, but like I I was, and Cameron was the same way, but 
never late once, never never a no call, no show, never even really a call in and not show. Like, yeah. and it just gave me an anxiety attack to think about that. And it's just like, that's the norm though. Yeah, it is. And people are just like overwhelmingly happy. And I'm like, oh God, this is the bar the playing limbo or something? Of not <laughs> of being late to something. Yeah. I can't even. That just, yeah. no, I'm, I have a client at nine o'clock. I'm there at eight o'clock. Yeah. What do I have to do? Yeah. Nothing. Sit around and wait on them. I have to be early. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 um, you know, the work ethic has changed. Yeah. People, people have realized, oh, I can just live at home and punch a keyboard maybe and, you know, kind of yeah, call get it by. work and get by. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember I just, when I was a, a younger, my mid twenties, I asked my dad, he was a steel mill worker. I said, so are, are we middle class? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm, he goes, your mom has the job, you know, as an accountant over at the at the Catholic school, and she makes it okay. And and I'm a steel mill worker, so we're we're middle, maybe the upper middle of middle class, you know, not upper class, but the, of the middle class. Mm-hmm. We're just upper middle. Uh, yeah, upper middle, and and we, we you know we have a house, we have two cars, we have a swimming pool. We're we're doing okay. And I said, okay. I said, no offense, Dad. I want to be upper middle or lower upper i just i want to be i want to move up i want to take the family's next step you know yeah here's a big this is a challenge and this is something you will understand being in the job you're in Mm -hmm. so nowadays kids go away go to college get their degree maybe they get their job maybe they don't come back live for a little bit but when they go after that first house they're looking for a house that is like what they grew up in yeah they don't realize that's their parents third or fourth house (laughs) yeah that their yeah. parents started out in something like what we're sitting in. That this was it. Yeah, the studio. <laughs> you know, studio and a little bed over in a corner, kitchenette, mm-hmm. TV, and it was good enough for them for the first couple of years while they were putting some money away, mm-hmm. trying to build, showing up to work every day so they could get that. Yep. You know, and then they moved into mm-hmm. their second house, which was oh, yeah. a one bedroom, one bath. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, 900 square foot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so now the, the, what we're finding is that they, at 26, 27, they think that the first house they're going to move into is going to be three bedroom. One's an office. So two bedroom office, one and a half bath, mm-hmm. nice living room and a walkthrough open air design kitchen. Their parents didn't get there until their fourth home. <laughs> yeah. But boy, well, why would I? Why would I live in a yeah. studio apartment <laughs> yeah. for you know when I I grew up in this? Yeah. So that is a reality check. I think that um, is being missed somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the if entitlement. Yeah. 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 Um, it's kind of kind of interesting that you see that because that's that's a dynamic. But you know, we really we're we're building. Um, we're, those are the things we're building on. Those are my building blocks. Child care, which we're working with Candy, and we know that, that she's high-end, and that's great because we needed that filled. We need that space filled. We look to help the the, the middle uh, of the child care, that section, because they're absolutely necessary. 300 kids right now need child care in Labette County alone. Now, I look at that, and I say, okay, the kids need the child care, and that's important. That's 300 employees that are staying home with the kid yeah. instead of being able to pick up a shift at one of our industries right. and make good money. Yeah. 
and good money. I mean, in money that makes it worthwhile to go to work mm-hmm. and pay for the child care and still put something in your pocket as opposed to staying home and, and only caring for the child. Yeah. That So all levels of child care are necessary the same way that all levels of housing are necessary. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we, we do want to look at a high-end development with, with houses, quite frankly, in the high 200s, low 300s to start. Mm-hmm. We know we've done some research on sales of that level of house over the last few years. You probably know it instinctively. The market's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's and, it? Co- go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say while you're on this, like you said, um, and it kind of goes. It all goes together. I mean, like the childcare and the housing, with with her high end childcare, and you guys want to do some high end housing. Everyone's like, well, no one can afford that. But here's the thing: like you said, all those executives and people that live in Pittsburgh, they come here, or the people that are living in houses that they could afford better, they move up and then it opens up that middle class. Mm-hmm. It opens up that hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollar house. Yes. And it opens up that spot and that daycare. Exactly. Yeah. No, you hit it on the head, which is why we the thirty six units being built behind Brahms. Mm-hmm. That's for that, fifty five right. and, and over. We think if if it, if past situations and if past complexes like this fill the same void, about half of those will come from the city or from this area to move into there. Something like my mom and dad that my mom doesn't want my dad out cutting the grass anymore. You know, yeah. They're to that age. Somebody else can take care of that. We're, all we're going to worry about is our one bedroom, our bath, and a you know, nice living room, and it's going to be nicer. Mm-hmm. But without the caretaking of, of mm-hmm. what a, an elderly couple would, would like my mom and dad would, would, would need or want to have to do. Yeah. Uh, we, moved my mom, we, we, we moved my mom and dad out of Chicago because we didn't want my dad chilling snow anymore. He was yeah. that age. So... Half of those come from the, within the city or from the area. All right, 36. It's 18 or 20 houses in that range you're talking mm-hmm. about. That 120 to 200. I mean, you got, let's not even talk about, you know, the child care plays in, but let's talk about a dinks. You got double income, no kids. 200,000 is a nice home to get going. Mm-hmm. You know, build some equity. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's, that's a great place. So that's what we're looking for is, while it's important to have that opportunity for seniors and have that opportunity for senior level management and to hire in homes, the real reason right. we're doing that is to open up the market. Right now, according to the Center for Economic Development and Business Research out of Wichita State, you're supposed to have, and correct me if I'm wrong on some of these numbers, but you're supposed to have a six-month housing inventory. We have three weeks. And this is from them doing how fast they sell and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean... Common, and this is what I was told, and I'm, I'm sure we have an expert in the room here, but <laughs> no, if somebody knows a house is going on the market, mm-hmm. there's times that there's an envelope already sitting with the realtor with an offer above asking for that house that's going on the market because they know it's not going to stay on the market for a couple yeah. weeks. You know? Or two. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, from the outside looking in, as an economist, the guys that do the economist projections, they, they think Parsons is sitting very well because we have a higher average property value than other communities around. So from outside looking in, that's great. If you want to move into it, it means the house is more expensive. But the higher the value and, and people willing to pay the value, the lower everybody else's property taxes are. Right. Because the mill levy affects on on your your rate their yeah. your assessment value so those are those are all we look at all those triggers and and go back to my example of um, what's it cost to service a hundred thousand dollar home or a three hundred thousand dollar home it costs the same for the city 
the roads are still roads and they're concrete. The, the, the sanitation guy still drives the truck and picks up trash. We still deliver water. Mm-hmm. The, the service cost hasn't gone up, but the revenue from property taxes does go up. Right. So we do want to have that. By having those higher-end homes, it should alleviate some of the tax burden on the rest of the Think about it. One home assessed at three hundred thousand is paying what three homes assessed right. at a hundred thousand is. So you you should start to see that. That and we talked about retail early. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the two plans that we look at for taxation. So we've got to make Parsons better. We've got the housing. We've got jobs. That all kind of goes together. Where does like the crime and drug? tie-in you know it, it's funny you say that because chief spinks will say i want to get him uh, on here so should. bad yeah we, we, i'll let him get I'll, I'll push him this way yeah. he's a, yeah. he, he i'll tell you what i love the guy I, he's never met a microphone he didn't like that's what he said and i didn't know if he said because <laughs> I, I i told him at rotary i said i want to get you on the podcast and i was kind of walking out so we didn't get to talk much but he was like oh yeah i love any chance to where I get to talk. Yeah. And no, I didn't know he, if he, he was being sarcastic say, and no, he was like, no, oh, no. But he so, yeah, not, that's great. I'd love to just yeah, let him would. get on here and go crazy. He was not being sarcastic. Um, I think the rest of the city staff moans <laughs> quietly whenever he and I step to the podium because they're like, oh, the yeah. meeting's going to go longer. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. But what, what, what I really like about what Chief Spinks approaches, the number one crime deterrent, deterrent, is economic development. Yeah, get rid of those houses. Right. Those drug houses. Well, and we kind of talked about it at Rotary. You know, we, I think when we look at these as priorities and we know that there are squatters, and I'm not writing, and I'm not generalizing here. I'm just saying in general, squatters are the ones that probably aren't showing up the third day for right. work. Right. And pr- I'm not saying, oh, I don't want to generalize here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's all right. But you don't want to, I mean... They shouldn't be squatting. They should be. No, yeah. They should be somewhere where they can at least be productive, even if it's in a rehab facility or a care facility mm-hmm. or um, a, a homeless shelter or something right. like that. It, it, there's nothing that's going to come good out of them squatting in a home no. that doesn't have utilities for, for anybody, including themselves. Yeah, well, exactly. Even for, especially for themselves. Right. So when we identify these homes that are are high probability for squatters, high probability for drug trafficking. That, in my opinion, should raise them on this demolition list that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're, we want to take those and over, you know, as you get all these layers and you've got, is it this bad a situation? Is it unsafe to live in? Is it, uh, you know, are the utilities turned off? The next layer, and there's another layer, that top layer, is, is, it, a, a, is it a frequent flyer on the crime Mm-hmm. You know, where the do the you cops know the address? See that address every week. Yeah, if the cops see that address every week, that raises it on the priority list. Let's mm-hmm. that, it's time to be t- tear it down. 100, I hundred percent agree. Know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a reason they're there. Whatever that reason is, mm-hmm. let's not give them the opportunity. Yeah, or, you know, and and Chief and I agree on that. Um, I, I I like his input from an economic uh, development standpoint. I tell you what, you get us both on here at the same time. You would get we dark would, outside. We wouldn't you... even have to talk. Probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would cheapen us. Yeah, yeah. We might have you back when he comes. Well, last thing, I kind of wanted to talk about politics with you. Sure. Explain what a lobbyist is, because that's you're the city's lobbyist, correct? Yeah, because I work for a municipality, I don't have to register as a lobbyist. Because if I was a if I was employed to be a lobbyist only in Topeka, I would have to do that. But 
by being well, saying that I'm the lobbyist is just that if I watch the I watch all the bills that come out. Mm-hmm. We have keywords and there's bill searches. Um, I belong to several associations where I receive updates that are specific to bills of those associations, economic development, uh, tourism, human resources. So I receive bill updates for the city or for the state on, on those. There are certain bills. Uh, we watch a bill report every, every time it comes out. Debbie Lamb and I read a bill report from the uh, League of Municipalities. That's every city belongs to this thing called League of Municipalities. They have a lobbyist in, in Topeka on our behalf. Um, so if there's a bill up there that we really like, an economic development bill that might help us out, I will go up and testify on behalf. I write uh, written testimony on behalf of bills. Oh, I wrote three written testimonies, and I gave one verbal testimony on site this year. I'm up there. When you say up there, do you mean? Topeka. Topeka, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Topeka. Um, I was most recently in D.C. Yeah. Uh, as part of a delegation from the state of Kansas for U.S. Travels uh, Destination uh, Capitol Hill. We met with both our senators. We met with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we met with our congressman. It was, it was great. And they, to be honest, our district, they, uh, Jacob Turner, our congressman, Marshall and Moran, all three of them, I give them kudos. Agree with them politically, don't agree with them politically. They were in the room. They didn't staff it out. That's uh, cool. That, they, they were there listening. You know, That's and, cool. Yeah. You actually know you're being heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and some, you know, I get it. They have to go to a vote, especially if the Senate's in session. You just kind of sigh at the beginning of the day because you know that they're not going to be able to be at the meeting. They have to be in session. <laughs> yeah. But these guys made, made, an, they made an effort, came from another meeting, came down, saw us, talked to us. Um, it, was, it was really, it was good to see. It was good to see, really, you know, meet the, the actual guy. You know, the, that's our guy or our girl, and, and depending on what district you live in. And they, they were in the room, so it was good. And we talked about travel visas. Um, you know, you talk about the work situation and the, the federal government still only allows 66,000, well, I switched from travel visas, 66,000 work visas. That's it for the country. That needs to be more. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I get, okay, safety at the border. But once you're vetted and you go through the interview process and you want to come back and work, why would you have to go through the whole process again? Right. That is bureaucracy at its worst and they're making them do it. So we, we pitched and we pitched hard for uh, if you've been through the process once, you can renew two or three more times without having to go through the process, and those renewals shouldn't count against the 66,000. Hmm. In fact, the 66,000 hasn't been retrofitted or revamped in 30 years. So yeah, it, it become, that's, that's, a, that's a work problem we could start solving yeah. legally. Mm-hmm. With visas, tracking the money against the visa, so when they're paid, we get our sa- our pro- um, income tax. Excuse me, right? So many taxes that they're paying their confused. share. Yeah, yeah, they're paying their share. They're doing it right. And yeah. it, it, okay, if we were nine percent unemployment and Americans needed jobs, we would probably have a different conversation. But you know yeah. what you start doing then? You start cutting back on a number of visas so that Americans can take the job. Right. W- We've already talked. We've had the job. Yeah. We've had the employment conversation. It's, yeah. it, it, we we could we could use those. Yeah, maybe it'd make those people get up and show up on day three when they realize they're running out of options. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, that's the change. Here's the difference here, and I don't want to get too because without graphs and stuff, but we're in a recession only in definition. In definition yeah, only, yeah, it's tiny. Well, in definition only, the gross domestic product has dropped in the last three quarters. So three consecutive quarters of mm-hmm. gross domestic product dropping is a definition of a recession. But it could—it was teetering, right? I mean, it could well, have gone 
gross domestic product dropped. It, it, not not off the you know not off the shelf like it did in 08 and 09, but it it, it was going down steadily. Mm-hmm. ADI though, which is basically the expendable income that you have, was continued to rise. Hmm. See, it doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't add up. You're absolutely right. It's because fewer people doing more jobs for extremely a lot more money. So expendable income is going right. up. Mm-hmm. Expendable income going up. Gross domestic product going down. That's why we're in this really weird recession, supply chain problem. Low unemployment. Low unemployment is not supposed to go along with those two. And yeah. inflation and the recession at the same time is kind of rare too, right? Yeah. Because sometimes isn't recession yeah. from like a white hot economy, like everything's going great and you don't. And then you go, oh, like the housing bubble burst, yeah. you know, nobody's making money in that anymore. And so it's trickle down and because the houses aren't making, you know, you're not building any more houses than the wood product products, mm-hmm. the metal products. You have so many old former builders that are now on the unemployment lines. So it's when some sector bursts from yeah. a white hot time. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of a dip there during when fracking went away. I mean, we're, we're, we have a couple tank connection, uh, tank, we have a couple tank manufacturers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned CST, so I don't get, you know, I got both of them in there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and we actually have a, a new one coming in. Uh, Imperial Industries is coming in. So we saw a little dip because of, you know, the, the less need for tanks and mm-hmm. storage. But that, that leveled out. Mm-hmm. So you see dips in industries, but you don't see them in economies the way, yeah. you're, way you're seeing right now. So it's a little, it's a little weird. And, and really, economic development that I handle does not mean I'm an economist at all. Yeah. It's a totally different deal. And we listen to the economists. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to be at the Center for Economic Development and Business Research 2023 Manufacturing Forecast uh, in Wichita. They will talk about what they think are going to be the fastest growing industries, where we should look for growth, where we should be ready for some pullback, and knowing and having some of that in our in our heads will help us uh, move into the future. Yeah, know where you want to, mm-hmm. what you want to shoot mm-hmm. for, bringing yeah. into town. Yeah, mm-hmm. mostly what I look for though, on behalf of the city, is I look for like a bill that would have removed the ability for cities and counties to put a local sales tax in place. Well, if you take away the one and a half, okay, first of all, sales tax is 9.25 in the city of Parsons. Okay. Six and a half percent of that is the state. One and a half is the city. 1.25 is the county. Half of the county money is redistributed to all the cities in the county. Mm-hmm. So if you look at local taxation, what is that? 2.75. That's your sales tax locally. It's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. For every dollar you owe, 2.75 cents. Mm-hmm. So for every dollar you spend, you owe three cents locally. Again, though, you're buying what your budget allows you to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still say sales tax is one of the fairest across the board taxes. It, it does penalize people who buy the higher round. You know, when you buy a hundred and forty thousand dollar vehicle or <laughs> you know something like that, it does. It, it's the size of amount when you're talking nine point two five. But it's percentage wise, it's the same. There you go. So exactly. I mean, if you can't afford that I'm vehicle, not then that. yeah, then right. I, and I can't afford a hundred forty thousand yeah. dollar vehicle. I should be looking at something a lot less than that. Yeah. So we were we were threatened by some legislation that would have taken the ability to leverage local sales tax away. The state would have said, no, you just can't do it on groceries. It would have hit the city to the tune of twenty percent of our budget. Mm-hmm. You still have to run the city. I mean, I, really, I mean, you yeah. still got to put gas in the garbage trucks. You still got to pick up the garbage. You still got to pump the water. You got to pay the guys to fix the water mains when they break. That's <laughs> that's paid for out of that sales tax. That's the general fund of the city. 
Man, politics is such a weird game. Oh, because the way they marketed it was like, look, he or she is trying to make it where you don't have to pay sales tax. I don't want to say, yeah. it, you know, but and and then you turn well, around and get like, ready for a two and a half percent bump on your property taxes yeah. to make up for it. It's a weird game, isn't it? It is. It is. I want to get into politics, but I don't think I'm a fast enough talker. <laughs> You're, you know what? The best politicians I've ever worked with are not the fast talkers. They are. The ones that, uh, you know, there's an old saying my mom used to tell me, and I didn't listen to it. Obviously, if you're listening to his podcast, you know I didn't listen to her. She said, it's better to uh, be thought a fool as silent than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she knew I was born to be a talker. So when I told her I was going to, going to, I was pre-vet medicine for the first year and a half of my college. When I called her and said, I'm uh, switching my major over to a public relations, she's like, it's about time. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to do it, but I don't know if Cameron would let me. I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if everyone, when I talk to people who are in politics, I don't know if they really know what they're talking about, or like I said, if they're just fast talkers, but if they really know what they're talking about, I got a lot of shit to learn. Well, here, here's the thing. A lot, this is what makes lobbyists imperative to the, to the whole political process. 307 bills were introduced in the House. Just the house of a state house, mm -hmm. Kansas. There is no way you could read. They'd still be reading it if you were reading every bill. Lobbyists come in and can. Now, you have to understand the lobbyist and his or hers opinion, what side they're standing on of the bill. So when I go in, they know I don't want them taking away from our ability to put property taxes out there. Mm hmm. Or, I'm sorry, for our ability to put sales tax sales on tax, yeah. It's a voted on, locally voted on. Mm -hmm. How, what right do they have to take that away from the voters, let alone from the city or the county? It's voted yeah. on, and those sales taxes are put in place to, one of them specifically is in place to, to keep ad valorem, which is property tax, down. Mm -hmm. If that went and away... And that's great with me, because property tax is the one that yeah. really frustrates me the most, even even though I know it's part of your equation, but... Well, and you know, your sales tax helps you and I both live outside the city. Our houses don't pay into that, mm -hmm. uh, into that uh, property tax. So that's one reason we have to start to get what we're seeing pop up outside city limits, get the opportunity somewhere in the city so that the young professionals like yourself can find what you need, which is like, like your beautiful home out here, but possibly within city limits. You know, let's give that option. Won't be me, but I'd love the option for everybody that, else. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think you're, you're like me. I've got uh, seven acres. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm I love being out here by the lake. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm yeah. jealous. But no, I totally person. agree. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So that's, you know, politics is a fun part of what I do. It's very short. It's only three months of the year because they're January, February, March are the, the hot ticket times. And then mm -hmm. they move into, uh, then they move into budget hearings usually. But we oh. watched, we watched that one bill real close. Yeah. Um, I was in contact with every member of the House Commerce Committee in an email. I wrote written testimony that was read or was it put in file. They, they just say mm -hmm. accept and file it uh, against the House Bill 248. And we're glad we got that amendment stricken. Yeah, that is, that's cool. What do you say about people who hate on lobbyists? Because there's a lot of people that hate on lobbyists. Well, you know, uh, you know the what they think, right? Yeah, you know, and well, I mean, again... The politicians need to understand who they're talking to and know they're getting a one side of the story. And then they have to hunt out a lobbyist from the other side that they know is on the other side of the story. 
but listening to both sides and then weighing what's best for the constituents is what I think is, is the smartest thing because there's no way they can keep up with all the legislation that's out there. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible. It's impossible to do, mm -hmm. but to understand and, and in a 10 minute discussion with, with this, with this lobbyist and a 10 minute discussion with the lobbyist on the other side, knowing that you're getting one side of the story and the other side of the story, weighing the good and the bad, you can say, okay, when I, when this bill is good because or bad because, and here's how I'll support it. And then, you know, what's good is what I've really appreciated is there have been uh, elected officials in Topeka that have reached out and said, Hey Jim, kind of mixed on this. I see the good because it's going to, you know, okay. The 248 mm -hmm. being the politician, let's argue that bill. It's saving people money by not charging up front. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I'm going to say it is yeah. what's well, saving people money by not making them pay the extra two and a half percent local sales tax on groceries. Mm -hmm. It's eliminating the state's six and a half and it's making cities and counties eliminate any sales tax they have on groceries. There's a great argument. Wow. If that's all you hear, mm -hmm. that's why. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Yeah. All like right. People think the government's just going to say, all right, yeah, well, exactly. we don't need that money. Right. <laughs> They're going to get it. Yeah. So then take the county and the city is a good example. Labette and Parsons take the county and the city that loses 20% of their budget. Mm -hmm. They have to go make it up somewhere else. Yep. So usually that's going to end up in a, in a mill levy. Well, yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. My we'll pleasure. have you back sometime. This is fun. Maybe with Sphinx. How do you That'd say be... his name? Sphinx. Sphinx. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Bob Sphinx. We'll have, yeah. we'll have to get him. We'll see if he wants you to come on too. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'll is, I'll just we, sit back and press we, play. <laughs> you guys we, can talk all day. We do see things similar. Yeah. Um, you know, we we uh, he's got a big city approach on some things, and you know, I I I laugh, but I'll go back to the formulas and the processes that we used, and I'll use this as the mistakes I made in Atlantic City. Same thing would have happened here. You just move the decimal about six places. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I made a mistake in advertising and it wasn't a mistake. It was a buying advertising and it was a $30,000 ad buy, which is pretty typical for a major magazine across an annual buy. The ROI was terrible, just terrible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to check it out. Whoa, you know, lesson learned, but it's lesson learned. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Yeah. Anymore. So, you know, the, 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 the formulas and the way that we're going about marketing and things like that. that and, I, and I like the way Robert does about that. He, yep. he, he does do a, um, a good job of marketing PD and, and getting that out yeah. there. So. Give us a good word to him. Maybe he won't be so nervous. He doesn't know me very well. So oh. <laughs> good word might go a long way. <laughs> Not a problem. All hey, right. thanks for having me on. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I hope it was... Helpful, even not, not not even for your listeners, but for you guys. Yeah, it was, it was. interesting. Yeah. I might be talking to you. I I, I don't I gotta know convince a lot, Cameron. So. I I really I don't know how much. But I'm I don't know if I would want to dabble or I really want to kind of get into it. I got a long life ahead of me. I'll tell you what. Like, I mean, you politicians what? are old, man. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Well, next time I go up to uh, Topeka, Hit me I'll up. let you know. Just ride up with me, and I might want to. I can walk. I'll around talk Cameron into it. So. I don't think she wants me to get into it, but uh, gotta have we'll thick, see. Gotta have thick skin. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> avoid the trolls yeah all right well, <laughs> thanks guys yeah tune in next week follow us on facebook and instagram and we'll see you next tuesday <laughs>